we're going to talk about the issues going on within the black community as it relates to violence, but within our own interactions, right? So we were talking earlier about when stuff happens, police brutality, when we see systemic racism, when we see people uh, treating us inappropriately, we do a lot of the things, right? We do the hashtags, we do the marches, we do the boycotts, we do the Black Fridays and all the things. But when the violence is us against us, specifically within relationships, we don't see any of that. So I want to highlight some of those areas on, A, what are we missing here? Like, why is it okay for us to hurt each other, but we get pissed when we see other people doing it? So I'm going to throw that at you first. What, in your viewpoint, do you feel is going on with that? It's internalized. Okay. That's really what you're looking at. You're looking at an internalization of behaviors that we have been accustomed to accepting. Right? It's okay to cut somebody out in the black community. Guys, that's what we do. It's okay to beat the hell out of somebody in the black community because that's what we do, right? And we've just internalized that to a, to a degree where it's commonplace. So that's really not a big thing. It's really through education. It's really through us really stopping and thinking, what am I doing? You understand what I'm saying? What am I doing? But we don't have time. We, we don't necessarily have the time to stop to really think about that because there's other things that's going on in our family, in our community, around the world. And we just don't get a chance to really stop and think. What the pandemic did was allow us to stop and think. Okay. So now you got to sit back and you got to. um. Right. But why? Because I'm just confused. So full transparency, right? I see the violence between men and women, black men and women on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. I just worked a very disturbing murder case where the husband killed his wife in front of their two young sons. And then the case in Texas where the individual killed the mother of his child and then threw the baby in the river. Like what is going on within our own communities where this is acceptable. Why do I feel it's acceptable? Because no one's talking about it. No one. I'm talking about it because it's my field. It's what I look at. I don't see the outrage. Where's the outrage for the baby? Where's that baby's hashtag? You know what I'm saying? Like, why is it okay when we are killing each other, but we get pissed off when other people do it to us? Like, I, I understand it's okay. Internally, that's kind of what we do. But is it really like, and other communities are not going to stand up for us when they see this because it's a way to keep us marginalized. Like, yeah. why am I going to stop this and focus on really, this? Because they're doing our job. Yeah, it's really internalized. It's, a, it's an internalized system of beliefs. You're a nigga. And niggas are nothing. Mm-hmm. If I continue to see you in that same light. So why are we doing it to ourselves? Devaluation. Okay. So that's a that's a very evaluation. Like I just stated, you're a nigga. So is that something that we think about ourselves then? That's correct. Wow. That's deep. And you're saying so niggas have been about that is what needs to be addressed. Yes. You're not going to be able to move forward. Unless you deal with the subject of devaluation in our community. Mm. Pimp and whole culture still exists. Right. It's packaged in music, film, and television. Mm -hmm. And we eat that up. The more you are portrayed as a nigga, right? Mm -hmm. Pimp or whole, and dressed apart, 
that helps in the propagation of devaluation of who you are. So if I'm devalued, I'm going to look through the lens of my devaluation and see you as a devalued person. Wow. No matter your accomplishments, no matter your background, no matter your education degree, whatever the case may be, you're still a nigga. If I see you as an inanimate object, I'm going to see myself as an inanimate object. That's painful even to hear that. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like centuries and centuries of programming That's have correct. put us in the situation of now I see you as my enemy. I see you as my enemy and you are a threat to me. But I love you. Like, how does that work? How can that coexist? Well, well, you, a black man well, is to me, statistically. In this society, yes, against mm -hmm. the structure. But I'm not a threat to you. What I am is an image that's stuck in my head or their head mm -hmm. of what a black man is or has been portrayed as in this society. I'm a nigga. Mm hmm. So niggas have no value unless the nigga has attached themselves to things that are valuable, i.e. Jordans, mm -hmm. i.e. gold chains and jewelry, i.e. even a degree. So it's something that you have to look at in your own mind's eye and circumstance and begin to question it. Why am I like this? Why do I like whole and pimp culture? Right. Why do I like my women undressed? Why do the women like themselves undressed. Mm -hmm. Who gave you that picture? Because historically, when you go and you look at us, we've always been portrayed as the hand bones, the shines, the coons, the sapphires, mm -hmm. right? The sexually promiscuous and perverse black woman. And that is an age old image that's been portrayed over and repackaged and over and over again to the point we don't even see it. But we celebrate it. We celebrate the culture that was given to us. That's not necessarily our culture. We're given that culture. So it really starts with devaluation. Again, I can have a degree. But I can be a thought. Yeah. That is true. And depending on what your degree is in, you might get more attention for the, the thought status. Right. So. So, OK, I have a question then as a black man. In this society, if you could ask a question specifically focused on the two cases I just brought about to the males who committed those atrocities, what would you ask them? Because I'll sit here as a female and I'm, I'm wondering what happened to you? What happened to you that you felt the need to take a gun to the mother of your child, your children and kill her in front of them? What happened to you that you devalued life so much that you threw your own baby into a river? Like we have a problem internally. And so I, th but that would be my question. It. Huh? You just answered it. We have a problem? De Devaluation. And the only way to fix that is education, you're saying? Well, not just education, but the kind of education that's going to be able to allow you to see yourself through a different lens. Okay. But you have to see, want that, keep, right? Well, you have to want it and then you have to separate yourself from and divorce yourself from, from these images. Now you're talking about hitting in the money area, though, because that's what sells, right? It may sell. But the thing you got to start thinking about is. How does this translate? To the next generation, how do how does this look to the next? See, my thing is this. I know I'm an extension of a community. Mm -hmm. Once you start to 
think about hyper-individualism over the community, that's when it becomes a problem. It becomes an issue. It's me. I'm different from them. I'm special. I don't have a connection to them. Mm-hmm. It's when you start getting into, into problems. But do you think our community sees that we have a problem, though? Because that, that's a bigger question. Do we you, do. You think so? Yes. So why aren't we doing anything? Why aren't we doing enough? Hopelessness. Wow. Sorry, I had to absorb that. That is sad. Hopelessness and the age-old willingness to continue down the path of, dare I say it, integration. Integration is not your friend. So why is it so easy? And, and it might go back to the devalue, being devalued. But if I'm devalued enough to kill my partner, mm-hmm. but I will still march at a police brutality rally, mm-hmm. it's still a part of being devalued, right? So why is it okay for one thing and not the other? If I'm devalued, I'm devalued with the cops or with my well, spouse. So what's well, most of us know, most of us know where our trauma truly stems from. Mm-hmm. Most of us know that. So it's easier, it's become easier to point the finger at white supremacy and racism instead of saying, Got you. Okay. Me. So as long as the white man is in the way, you're not necessarily going to fix the issue. Ooh. So he has to be separated and you have to be separated in order for us to fully start to heal and fix the problem. Gotcha. It's easier to That's the hard part. finger. Okay. I can, okay. That's the hard part. Because for the most part, a lot of us don't want to separate. Not even mentally. Because mm-hmm. like you said, it's easier to point the finger at that versus pointing the finger at yourself. That's correct. So it's so really it takes an individualized thing. Yeah, it takes a lot to look in the mirror and say, I was the one that bought that gun. I was the one that pulled the trigger. I was the one that purchased the bullets. I was the one that had the temper. I was the one that did all of this. It's difficult to do that. Okay. It's, diff- it's difficult sometimes to do that, to really look in the mirror and say, me. Is there anything in your opinion that you think we can do, though, as a community to start putting the highlight, the spotlight on some of these real issues? Because like you said, we're not going to remove the white person. We're not going to remove that viewpoint and everything else. We have we to can, do but it starts. We can, but it starts here. Okay. See, our problem is that we lend too much of our power to the external force, mm-hmm. which is white folk. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. You got to start here first. So once you begin to clean this up. Just think about it. What if the tables were turned? What if it was a white person who shot that lady and threw the baby into We'd the water? Yes. yes. Oh, could you imagine? We'd be thoroughly upset. But again, our problem is that we've been conditioned to accept a lot of the stuff that's coming from us. Right. That's that's the problem. We've been conditioned to accept that behavior. So even in friendship, oh, that's my nigga. Right. You get on the phone with your girlfriends. What's up, bitch? Right. And it's okay. And it's okay. And then you run into somebody who has an issue with those words. They're looked at, they're ostracized, or they're thought of as whatever. But no, it's because they have a value and respect for themselves that they're not going to allow you to call them that. And then you looked at funny. Right, right. But you got to wake up every day Mm -hmm. with the mindset to say, that's not me. 
I disassociate myself with these ideas and these behaviors. I'm going to try every day to try to do better. And that's what you do. But it does start with a, a bit of education, mm-hmm. knowing who you are, past, present, and future. Our problem is we stuck in the past and relish in the present. Right. Because the hopelessness part is where we don't see a future. See, niggas is going to be niggas, it's going to be niggas, it's going to be niggas. And we believe we'll never get out of this particular situation because we've been in it so long. And then we put too much emphasis on white people changing. It's not about white people changing. Right. It's about us. Exactly. But you feel that we know that kind of as a whole, that we are the ones who really need to do the change. Yes. And we're not because of the hopelessness. Partially. Well, that... Partially. What can change that hopelessness, though? I mean, on a grand scale, on a grand scale, do we need a great speaker to step up? Uh, because, I mean, humans... Oh, that's already, been, well, that's already been done. That's already been done. See, that, see, see, again, our problem is that we always... See, I hear conversations consistently going with people talking about we have no more leaders mm-hmm. or, or, or we're always going back into the past to, to try to not necessarily follow what those leaders did. Mm-hmm. We just want to relish in what they talked about. Our problem is we talk too much and there's not enough action. Yes. You're not supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. But you consistently do it anyway. Right. And then you want fair treatment. Right. Like I was telling somebody the other couple of months ago. That black people, we fund our own oppression. Wow. Nike mistreats you. Nike calls you a nigga. Nike does X, Y, and Z. But as soon as them Jordans come out, them retros come out, what do you do? Stand in line for two hours. Right. The beauty stores owned by Asians mistreat black women. Black men go to the defense of black women in that regards and tell black women to not shop at the store. Black women tell black men, kiss my ass. I need my lace front or whatever. Mm-hmm. We got a problem. Yes, we do. We have a problem. And that's why I titled this Our House is on Fire. It, it's, mm-hmm. We're so focused of what's going on externally. Yeah. Um, knowing that the work has to be done internally as our individuals, but as a community, as a whole. <sighs> I just, I don't know. I'm looking at the, the younger generation and I don't know. I just don't, I don't want to say I'm sitting in that space of hopelessness, but I just really don't see the drive or the initiative to make any change. No, because we're still holding on to the old idea. The old idea is, is that this country is going to change. We're going to become more acceptable to the mainstream. Mm-hmm. The mainstream is going to put us in position to, for black people to do better. And we're still waiting on that great white hope to come in and do that. And that has not happened yet. Right. We're still holding on to the idea of inclusion of everybody mm-hmm. but ourselves. So you don't want to be inclusive. You don't want to be inclusive with your brother and sister, right? right? But you'll sit at a table with somebody else with a varying opinion and call that person your brother or your sister. That is true. And we'll tolerate their bullshit, but you won't tolerate your sister's bullshit. Right. That's what I'm saying. Originally, when it started out, I said we devalue each other. Right. And... The more we devalue each other is more is, is where the problem intensifies. Case in point, black man has a restaurant in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. black owned, wants to serve the community, made it upscale, black women come in, hears music in the restaurant, maybe shouldn't have been played, maybe not. Take it upon themselves to get on tables and furniture from said black man and his establishment to begin to start twerking. Wow. And literally showing their behind. Wow. 
Wow. He tells them three times to not do that and not stand on the furniture. It's not theirs. He has to pay for that. Right. Three times he told them. The third time, he gets a little irate and begins to cuss. Tells them you can get the fuck out if you don't like it. Right. Now you have his attention. Now he has your attention. Mm-hmm. But he told you twice before the third time before he cussed. And you devalued him as a black man, even though he was trying to do something for you. Mm-hmm. And you said, who is he? Did you have to ask yourself, would they have done the same thing if it was a white owned establishment? Oh, boy. Bingo. Is, don't we don't value each other. And that's sad. Well, well it is sad. The, the reason it's separated. sad. Yeah, the reason it's sad, though, is because we've already had years of people telling us that we're better than what we are. We already had years of people telling us that we're not niggas. We've had that. So what, in your opinion, I know we said education and kind of us doing the work to look at ourselves individually. But how likely is that to happen? It's going to happen. You think? You're optimistic? Yes. I'm so For two reasons. Okay. Yeah, tell me. People either change voluntarily or involuntarily. Okay. The reason you change voluntarily is because you see a problem and you want to fix it. The involuntary change comes from extenuating circumstances or events that put you in a situation that makes you bow to your needs for change. So the old folks put it like this. You either going to change willingly or unwilling. So you either going to change by acceptance or you're going to change by force. Bluntly, they said, if you don't change, I'm going to make you change by an ass whooping. Right. So an ass whooping is on the way. Okay, here's another question for you. A lot of individuals that I've spoken to have spoken about having communities or societies run by us, you know what I'm saying, like leadership, financial, and everything else. But when we look at the issues that we've been talking about today, is that even an option where something like that could be a success? If we are so hopeless and devalue one another. No, no, no. So, so there's some that have already begun to work. Okay. There's some that's already begun to work and are, have been doing it and are trying to do it. And there's more coming along saying this is the standard that we need to start exercising. We need to start doing this. The others are sitting back, either waiting to see what's going to happen, waiting to see when it fails or if it fails. And just in case they have a foot in the other door, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out. And some just don't want to come. Right. And there's the ones who don't want to come. Are those, are, is that kind of the space where there's that devalued or they just don't feel it's going to be successful? Well, I mean, all of us are learn, relearning to, all of us are learning to, attempt to try to value ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're trying that. So one of the things I didn't mention was the fact that we are in <laughs> environments and in circumstances contribute to the onward idea that you're nothing. Right. And when we don't practice, which again is practice, mm-hmm. when we don't practice valuing each other, because you got to think about it. The world has beat you down. The world has told you good. The world has said you're not going to accomplish much. The world says you're a deadbeat dad. The world says you're a single mother. The world says you're independent. You're frozen. You'll never have a man. Mm-hmm. And this goes into your psyche 
mm-hmm. on a daily basis, you don't even get a chance to breathe. Right. So again, somebody has to come in as an outside force to begin to teach you the value of yourself. And then when they begin to teach you, you can't just leave it where it is. You got to start feeding on it the same way you feed on the, the trifling music, mm-hmm. Real Housewives of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. The same way you feed on that is the same way you got to feed on the positive stuff. Okay. That is a portion of our issue because we get up on a daily basis and I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying this is our lifestyle. Right. Smoke a blunt, drink alcohol, look for some man or some woman to be predatory over. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, looking for a meal, some help, trying to swindle somebody. So our lifestyle is that of a predator and, and um, savage. And the reason I say savage is because we're living on a lower plane of existence because all of those things I just mentioned prior or, or, or just a couple of minutes ago or seconds ago, or whatever, that's how, that's how animals operate. Mm-hmm. Eat, drink, sex, eat, drink, sex, eat, drink, sex. And that's our level of existence in these communities that we were fostered into. So it's going to take the right kind of knowledge along with the practice or the practical application of that. So when I see you, I don't say bitch, say sis, because we have a connection. We have a very unique connection. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, you've gone through what I've gone through in this country, Mm -hmm. although the experience may be a little bit different. Male, female, right? right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get it, but you're not going to get it like I'm going to get it. Right. And in certain areas, you're going to get it worse than I'm going to get it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but we have a very unique experience. Not only that, we're tied to a very unique experience from our grandmother, grandfather, grand, great-grand, all of that. Very unique experience. Nobody's going through the experience that black people have gone through in this country. Right. So that makes us very unique. So I have to now look at you. Yeah, so now I have to look at you as not a combatant, not an enemy, but as somebody that is soldiering on the field like me. Right. Only in a different, maybe in a different way of struggling with it, but a comrade, no less. Right. Not an enemy combatant. Exactly. We're not a threat. We, we should not oh. be looked at as a threat. And we should not be. And that's the thing. So here's, see, here's part of the problem, too. How we talk to one another. Mm-hmm. So as you and I are having a conversation, and we may be able to bring up some very unique experiences in terms of how you have been treated as a black woman mm-hmm. in, this, in this society, in our community. And I can say the same. But it's how we talk about those experiences. I don't make a blanket statement and say all black women are X, Y, and Z. Right. Because I don't know all black women. Exactly. Yes. Same That's thing with black men. That's a pet peeve of mine. I can't say yeah, same. Th- right. Same thing with black men. Mm-hmm. You can't make a blanket statement and say all black men. Right. You don't know all black men. Right. So how you begin to address how we communicate is a very big issue. Because in the communication can also be conflict resolution. Exactly. If we learn how to communicate effectively. Exactly. That's our biggest thing. We don't know. We don't know. So 
one of the things that was robbed from us was our ability to read. Mm -hmm. So in reading, there's comprehension, reading comprehension and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. Okay. So if I cannot comprehend or my comprehension level is that of a fourth grade or fifth grade or whatever the case may be. And when you're trying to have a conversation with me, I don't stop to think about what it is that you're really saying. Everything's going to get lost in translation. Right. Everything's going to get lost in translation. So now, even though you t might be telling me something good for me, if I can't comprehend what it is that you're trying to say, I might take it as an attack. Right. And again, you got to remember the circumstances that we're in, the environment that we're in. Everybody's always saying something to us that seems negative or that is negative. That is negative. Mm -hmm. So we're always looking for the next. We're always looking for the next trauma or the next pain that is going to come our way or be inflicted upon us. Yeah. So that's why you see. That's why you see us most of the time, especially black men. We got a grit on our face. Like I'm ready. Black women do it too. Yeah, we do. There's a grit. Yeah. Okay. What? What's? What's? I'm ready for you. What's? What's next? Because we've never been given an opportunity to fully heal. Never. And like now, there's even uh, one of my clients yesterday was just saying how, you know, that him and his wife are having issues and he knows he needs to get into therapy. But the challenge of doing that because of just the whole stigma and, you know, to be honest, some of the stuff that was being told during the argument was probably not helpful. But if we are not addressing or, or even knowing that, OK, I need to do this, I need to do this for myself. But there, the barriers in between the conceptualizing it mentally and actually doing it pushes people back as well. So it's like all these different segments of the population, because there's going to be people who might hear this and be like, whatever, I'm still going to drink. I'm still going to do whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm still gonna yeah. yeah, but and I'm glad you brought it up because I told myself I would be vulnerable today about me. Right. Mm -hmm. So I am now seeking therapy. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm doing that is, is for, of course, me. Because you come to a realization that all of the things that you have gone through, you've never fully addressed to try to get some kind of management over your life and those circumstances that you went through. We just push through it. Black folks, we're we going to push through it. We're going to call on Jesus or go to church or whatever, mm -hmm. and we're going to push through it. Although I'm not against calling on Jesus, I am saying that you should call on Jesus in addition to Right. Getting mental health. Right. Getting therapy. Clinical therapy. Mm -hmm. Because no matter how much you call on the God, call on Jesus, whatever, that is not going to be a band-aid for a deep wound that was inflicted on you sometimes at a young age. Because you got to remember, some of us were babies. Yes. They went through very traumatic experiences. And we didn't really know Jesus until five, six years old. So what do you do before that? You bury it. So it becomes a problem. I used to tell people, I, I no longer tell people this anymore because I get sick of people lying. Mm -hmm. and, the re and what I said, what I tell them is this. All of us are sick in this country. There's no way for us not to be sick in this country because of the institutions that were brought about in this country, which was the major institution was white supremacy and racism. We're carrying our mother's and father's trauma in our veins. Yes. In our lifeblood. So, if you think 
that you are a sane individual in a world of insanity and you tell that bold-faced lie to me, I really don't want nothing to do with you. Right. Because we're sick. And there's nothing wrong with saying we're sick. Again, I don't care how articulate you are, how pretty you are. I don't care about none of that. Look at, look at the, if you look at where people are currently at right now, mm-hmm. look at the over-excess and excess of hypersexualization in the community. Yes. Do you think that's sanity? It's absolutely not. Okay. That is insanity. That is an imbalance. When a person sexualizes themselves to the degree that that's all they can think about, that's all they can do, that becomes the activity, and you sink to a level of depravity, you sink to a level of depravity that you normally, as a sane person, wouldn't do. You're insane, chief. There's an so imbalance. What about the pushback would be, because I run into that a lot where I'm like, okay, you need to make different life changes, different lifestyles, but that's what's paying the bills. Behaving like that or doing those actions or doing that behavior, that's what's paying the bills and that's what's important to me, not what you're saying about the whole community because I'm focused on me and my livelihood. If the money is the focal point and you've already sunk, you're, 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 you're gone. Okay. Because when you start talking about the bag, I got to get the bag, I got to get the bag, what are you getting the bag for? If what is your motivation for getting the bag? If your motivation for getting the bag is to buy a Birkin bag at fifteen thousand dollars, so you can actually front and front and front out of, in front of everybody else, mm-hmm. you're, you're done. If your motivation for getting the bag takes you through avenues that you would never normally have gone, i.e., snorting cocaine, mm-hmm. having all kinds of group sex with people, see, because there's a what, what happens is the chasing the bag is another level of devaluation. Because one, when one chases the bag, especially in areas or avenues that you would normally chase the bag, once you, when you do that, there's a degree of shame that you have to come from up under. Right. And it's the shame that has been checking us and keeping us in place. But once the shame is removed, then that means the level of depravity is going to increase. And there's no shame. Right. So... Again, I'm not condemning, but I'm saying I'm just this is for thought. Because we all do it. Shame has been removed from the people. The bag has been the center, has become the centerpiece of life. Mm-hmm. The bag is going to give me creature comforts. The bag is going to cure all my problems. The bag is going to take away my anxiety. The bag is going to take away all my woes and sorrows. The bag. Inanimate object. That its true value is gotten from people. Right, right. The bag has no value unless we give it value. That is true. That is true. So you're bowing down and worshiping the bag. And the bag is making you do everything that you normally would not have done before. It looks like we have a lot yeah. of work to do. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. But, but see, but see, yes and yes. Yes. And it's because there's so many conflicting ideologies out there. There's so many varying opinions and viewpoints out there that everything is now muddled, right? It's muddy. It's muddy. Like people saying, I'm, I'm going to go the direction I think is best for me. That's cool. But to what degree? To what, degree? To what end? Right. If I got to give up my virtue, if I have to give up my chastity, if I have to give up my integrity, if I got to give up everything that makes me human, then I really can't sit back and ask people for respect. 
Right. Exactly. And there's a verse similar to that. I'm not, I, I was born, I was brought up Catholic. I'm not really good on my Bible verses, but I do know there's a verse about what is it a man to gain? The whole world. And to lose a soul? Lose it. So it's definitely something that we all need to think about. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be individuals listening to this episode and it, it's going to hit different trigger points, which it should, because we have a problem. Like we mm -hmm. can't sit here and say that we don't. I, I really feel as much energy when we see other people hurt us, we should have that same energy when we're doing it to ourselves. So I'm ecstatic and I'm very thankful that you came to talk about this topic. I, I feel that this is dialogue that needs to be done and not just within podcasts, because we already know from the podcast reports, this is not the type of uh, podcast that our people exactly. listen to. We're exactly. not entertainment. We're not music. We're not comedy. That was a concern for me too. And I'm like, mm, what is going on here? So, I mean, we, there are some areas that we as a group, we as a people have to address. If we're honest about all the Black Lives Matter, it's everybody's lives, not just the ones being taken from people who don't look like us. It's also about the ones being taken from our spouses, our girlfriends, our boyfriends, sisters, brothers. Like, all of us matter, not just depending on who was the one who hurt you. Mm -hmm. yep. So... I don't know. I'm going to have to process some a lot of this information. I think the, the biggest thing that stood out for me, though, is when you said the hopelessness, the in totality, there's a collective hopelessness that we have. And that's playing a role in some of the stuff that we're seeing. And that's mm -hmm. a heavy thing to sit with. Yeah. Yeah. Mo most certainly. And let me say this, because I don't know if we're going to end the, 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 the recording or the broadcast or whatever. But uh, I was invited to speak on another um, podcast coming up this Thursday. And I was just thinking about some of the things I was going to say, and I would love to introduce some of those thoughts here, if, yes. if allowed. Absolutely. I believe the subject was going to be over black relationships. And some of the things that I was going to say was this. We can't talk about fixing black relationships first without therapy, which we mentioned earlier. And second, without getting a major control over our sexual undisciplined behavior. Talk about it. <laughs> we, you're not going to talk. You're not going to fix black relationships or black family without first therapy. And then two, without getting control over our undisciplined sexual habits. I hear too many people talk about the reason that the black community is a state didn't see is because a single, you know, black men making babies and running away. That's part of it, absolutely. Or the opposite, the black men community is in shambles because you got black, too many black single mothers out here doing X, Y, and Z. So, but how about you think about it in this regard? Even though we both know, or all of us know, that these are two very valid points, why haven't we stopped having sex yet? Why haven't we stopped the unbridled, sex that we're having with one another that produces these situations. Fatherless homes with a lot of black men are an issue. But yet, you still are having sex with a lot of these black men. And now other ethnicities of, of, of men. Same thing with black men. Single motherhood is an issue in the black community. Mm -hmm. But yet and still, you will go out, find a black woman, whether she's single or even a mother, and you'll delight yourself 
in having sex with her, sometimes protected, other times not protected. This is a scourge in our community. It's also very problematic, but nobody is talking about that part of it mm-hmm. because of the gratification that you get from an orgasm. There you go. And I get it. It's a natural thing. But until we begin to address the issue of the rampant sexual behavior in our community, mm-hmm. we're not going to fix or heal our relationships. And let's throw a whole nother layer to that. Like the number, and we're, we're not really hearing much about it right now, but the, just the amount of HIV that's in our population yes. that no yes. one's talking about, that kind of yes. is in the same vein of what you're speaking of. And it's just another way to keep us in the space that we're in. No one's going to fight for us like we're going to fight for us because it, it doesn't impact them like that. You can have so many, you can have a very strong supporting white group of friends, but at the end of the day, they're not us. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have the same struggle and no one's going to understand it more than we will. Like you said, we're on the same team. We need to start acting like it. We need to start acting. I am not your enemy. You are not my enemy. If anything, coming together in, in trying to move past some of these programmed thought processes is what we need to do. But I think money, sex, all of that stuff is just so tempting. Let's screw what you're saying. It's, it's all a real me. distraction. It's a real distraction. And one of the things I think we need to start to be very transparent about is the fact that we are predatory one towards the other. Mm-hmm. A lot of times men are seen as predatory. And let's be honest, a lot of times we are out there being very predatory. But women can be very predatory as well, but that's never been addressed either. Yes. It's never been addressed. So mm-hmm. we're in a predator we're, we're, we're we put ourselves in environments and we become predatory one towards the other to see if one can one up the other or get whatever they want out of the, the person. And then we move on to the next predator, um, to, to the next prey. So we got to stop being predatory in our relationships. Yes. Right. And be transparent about what it is that you're really seeking and what you want. Cause see, the thing about it is once you're very deliberate and very forthcoming about what it is you're looking for a relationship and don't back down from that, you'll solve a lot of your own problems. Yeah, absolutely. You'll solve a lot of your own problems. You won't have the heartaches that you will encounter if you continue the course that you're traveling right now. That don't mean you be disrespectful because I don't like that either. If a man approaches you, I don't like either side. When a man approaches you, because I was going to talk about this at one point too, when a man approaches you and he asks, are you single or whatever the case may be? As a man, the one thing that you should do, once she, once she addresses and answers your question, move on, mm-hmm. <clears throat> leave her alone. Don't ask her, can you have friends? Or your man don't want you to do X, Y, and Z. Leave her alone. Yes, Let please. It be. And thank you. You are interfering. You're interfering with a whole process. Here's a woman that may truly adore and love the the the, the, the man that she's currently with. Mm-hmm. And like a snake, you interfere in that process by psychologically tricking her to make her think outside of that whole relationship. Oh, you can't have friends. Mm-hmm. See, that's a trick. Leave her alone, chief. Let her go. Once she says, I'm not interested, move on. Move on, let her go. You'll solve a lot of problems. You won't, if you could, because again, if you keep pressing her and she's already told you no, then you're going to get a more aggressive stance from her because now you're just being annoying. You're being triggering. You're not listening. You're being disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Now there's a different response. Now that means now you got to get a little aggressive because yes. your ego has been bruised, Yes. which is causing a lot of what's going on right now with a lot of these gentlemen 
well, not gentlemen, I shouldn't say gentlemen, what a lot of these guys out here, they become upset when they don't get the attention that they think they should get from a lot of these women. If she says no, let her go. Right. There's Peace. cases where, it, and this happened a couple of years ago, where she turned down his advances and he ended up killing her. Right. What kind of danger? And again, it goes through that whole psychological aspect of, well, why don't you, why aren't you more approachable? Blah, blah, blah. Why don't, you know what? Maybe I don't do all that and, and seem approachable because it's a defense mechanism. Cause yes. I don't know what you're bringing towards me. Correct. And we have to have that conversation too. Yeah. We definitely got to have that conversation because, because at, th at this point, our neighborhood should be, there should be a measure of peace in our neighborhoods. There should be a measure of peace. Leave the woman alone. If she, says that she is unavailable. Let her go about her business. Thank you. Sorry for whatever. And going about your business. Women. And the same too for the women. That's correct. I think that's where you're coming to next. The same that's too correct. for the women. <laughs> women, stop going after these men because they look a certain way and you do not know how to distinguish between a man of good character because you want to be excited and thrill-seeking 100% of the time. You want to be on 100, 100% 100 of the time. Because let's be honest, a lot of the relationships that a lot of women have gotten into, especially with the bad boys, have resulted in just that. Bad relationships, bad um, accidents that have happened because you wanted to thrill seek and think that you saw the image of a man because he was a bad boy. We got to stop it because it's not working. It's not working. No, it's not. And, that, and that's the whole thing. What is the, so the question has to become, why do you want a relationship? Why do you want to be in a relationship? Why do you want a relationship? And what benefit will you get out of the relationship? And what will the other person benefit from you in that relationship? Mm -hmm. So if you're not serious about the business of the relationship, then I would say, don't get into it. Don't get into it for fun. Because the one thing that's going to end up happening is when you get into the fun space, and your um, little energy is broken down and all that kind of stuff. Sex is going to enter the picture. Once the sex enters, enters the picture, it's over. You, you're not going to recover from that. It's going to take a while. You're not going to recover from that. It gets messy. It gets very messy. So be intentional. Be very intentional about that. And I think at this that point. That was your podcast that you were on. That was one of the hey, first ones you were on with us about being intentional. Yeah, be, be. Very, be very intentional. And I'll say this at, at this point of the game. I'm going to say this to the men that may be listening to this. I think it's high time that a lot of us as men be very intentional now in the day and time that we live in with all these different talking points and these different things that are coming out of a lot of the female think tanks. And the reason I say that is because when you start to develop some a sense of spirituality and a sense of connection outside of the external forces that are in your, in, in your space, you start to really reflect. And one of the things that comes to mind, like you said, you're, you're Catholic, you actually got you. So, but you have that background and, and I have a background of being Baptist. But every now and then I'll pick up the scriptures or I'll go listen to something that will enlighten me spiritually. And listen at this, I don't know if you're going to think this is deep or not, but listen at this. So a lot of the scripture says that before God makes his choice of a messenger, a sage, prophet, whatever, he does a deep search, right? He searches the hearts of men and he really does a deep search before he makes any kind of decision on where to place his message for a messenger or a sage or a prophet, correct? Correct. All right. In the, the male has the life germ, which is called sperm. Mm -hmm. The sperm or the life germ is like a messenger. 
it has within it the life or the DNA to spark life when it, once, it, once it meets with the egg. So we as men, if we are to be like, or if we are to be recognized in the image of God, has to do the same thing. We have to thoroughly search that woman, investigate that woman, so that we could put our seed or message in her to get maximum benefit. Because God, when he actually raises a messenger or prophet or sage, he knows what's in the messenger, prophet or sage before the messenger does. And he knows that the messenger, prophet or sage is going to get maximum benefit out of his message. That's the same thing men should be doing in this age of the game before choosing a woman or a wife. Right. You got to search thoroughly to get maximum benefit out of that woman. And too often what we have done and have been trained to do as men is to look at a woman very externally and want her a lot of times for pleasure. We kind of want her a lot of times for just pleasure. But her being a very serious creation of God and that could really maxim maximize the message that we carry. We don't sit back and choose the way that we should be choosing, which is actually a blueprint that's been laid out to show us the really how to do it. But, but we don't have that right now. We don't have that. And I think that in and of itself would help us along the way and would actually help to save and to secure a lot of women from heartache, displeasure, and everything else. Because now we're not running through a gamut of women to finally get to a place where we find the one mm -hmm. after 15, 20, 25, 30 women that we've ruined <laughs> to finally get to a place where we're saying, okay, I finally found that one. It's, it's just a mature, it's just a maturity thing exactly. that I think that we need to all start to develop right now and all get on and all be on that level in order for us to start really taking care of our community and really seeing our community a lot different than what it is. Trash in, trash out. Yes. Garbage in, garbage out. And that's really the mindset that we, you know, should start to be, start evolving on. And a lot of the issues that we was, that we currently have, we probably wouldn't even have them if we just start to think a little bit different. Practice you the know. pause, people. Practice the pause. Take a moment and, and not just react. You have to put some thought behind what's the return on investment. And, and I hate to make it sound so business because people always come at me where you can't look at relationships like business. I can. Let's, I would not have a business being ran next to a partner who I didn't trust. Mm. who was taking away from the business, who was mm. bringing issues into the business. Like my life is my business. And if you're not adding to it, then you're taking away. And I've worked too hard to maintain where I'm at to allow, allow somebody to disrupt my peace. Mm -hmm. So definitely, yeah. like you said, you have to be intentional and not go through the 20, 30 people. Cause honestly, if a dude coming at me like that, I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> There's too yeah. much stuff out there. Yeah. I don't know how many crazy exes you have. I don't know how much what you might got going on in your body. I don't know. We, yeah, but again, it's just the way we've been taught. See, it's a teaching. And once we begin to unlearn that mm -hmm. behavior, that mindset, that teaching, then you'll see things a little bit different. But right now, everything is a teaching. Again, we compound that because we keep feeding from the same damn bowl. Yes, exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. I understand you want the excitement, but everything else is boring. Uh, man, I'm not going to be able to get out there and show my body and, and wear this particular type of dress to get the attention that I've normally get. It's time out for that right now. Right. It's really time out for that. What's more important? You being worshipped because of how you look and how, how your body is shaped, which is short term, mm -hmm. or you getting together with somebody 
that matches, that somewhat matches your energy, that can, that can uh, complement your gifts and talents, right? Yes. And then you go out of the future and solidifying your family and your, your lineage and being able to pass that down. What's right. more important? Is it the short term for you to be able to live your life a certain way and not have anybody tell you what to do? Because I'm telling you, when you start to get a little bit older, these things are going to start to come to your mind and you're going to say, I wasted too much time. Right. You're going you're gonna to say, I wasted too much time. And then the only thing that's going to be left, which I see all too often, the only thing that's going to be left is the fact that you're going to end up trying to relive your, your old life, your 20s, your 30s, right? And you're 50, 60, and 70 years old trying to yep. relive your 20s. Yep, that's right. That's the only thing that's going to be left. That's right. Because you can't get time back. Nope. Time is non-renewable. Once you spent it, it, there's no refund policy. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. So, yeah, so I know I said quite a bit. I don't know. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So go ahead and tell everybody where to find you in all the new wonderful things you got going on. Yes. My name is Daryl, better known as Mr. Black Ovation. I am the host and producer of the All Things Black podcast, which you can find on just about any streaming uh, platform, Apple, Spotify, Radio Public, all the normal ones. And I'm also an audio engineer. What's coming up right now is, of course, I'm revamping the show. I'm going to introduce some more production value into the show. And I'm also with the um, C4 Challenge or the Content Creators of Color 30-Day Challenge, which is the second challenge from the one that was done last year, I believe. And uh, I got some content going up there. It's not my original content, but it is content that I think is valuable. So then when you go listen to it, people will be able to think. Because I think right now what's most important is that we begin to think and stop, you know, reacting so much and stop living in fantasy worlds and stuff like that, right? It's, we got time to party, but right now I think it's, it's a lot of work that needs to be done in our community. And we got to get out of the, the, the reverie and the party mode in order to get to the real work. And uh, so I would say minimize your party. If not all, if not at all, stop the partying because it's a distraction and really begin the real work and trying to you know heal yourself. Because once you heal yourself, you're going to be able to heal the community because you're exactly. a part in that community. And the more stronger the chain you are, the link in the chain you are, the stronger the community is going to be. But that's me in a nutshell. There's a lot more, but I would just say that much. Absolutely. And as I tell people I work with all the time, especially couples, when you're looking at a group, they're only as healthy as the sickest person there. So that's, Agreed. yeah, that's when you look at it that way, we really have some work that we have to do. So thank you for all the knowledge that you came in with. And I'm hoping that some, not somebody, but people listen to this and, and you know what, light bulb moment. Because we got to do some work. We got to do some work. The house is on fire. Like, we really got to do some work. We need to get just as fired up as we are when a cop kills us as it is when somebody that we love does the same thing. So, yeah. And I'll end on this. I love everything that you said. And thank you for the opportunity to have this discussion. I'm looking forward, forward to having a lot more because, again, these kind of conversations are very therapeutic and very healing to myself, just being able to listen to myself and listen to you being able to just go back and forth. You know what I'm saying? Cause that what goes out will come back. It, 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 it come right back in. But like I said earlier, for me personally, I am taking a step towards therapy, clinical therapy to try to release myself from a lot of my old traumas, which I tried to bury. And I think right now at this point, especially for a lot of us as men, we're really going, men are going through a shift right now. And we're not able to necessarily go with where that, where the wave is going. Right. And I'm not saying that the necessarily, you know, I'm not saying that the wave necessarily is a good thing either. I'm not saying that, but there is a shift that's, that's, that's taking place. And for the most part, men are somewhat asking the questions. Am I relevant? Am I obsolete? Where do I stand? And cause a lot of the things that men were accustomed to doing as men, a lot of that's being taken away from men now. So we got to find a way to cope with that or 
we have to build a community in which we can start start back being the men that we want to be. Right. So it's a big shift. And I think part of what's going to help us is we, we got to sit down and begin to talk to somebody. I know it's, it's a thing that it's not easy to do because you're a man and how society will view you and how people you think people might view you in terms of being weak and all this other kind of stuff. But if you want to kind of come to grips with what's going on with you mentally, spiritually and physically, I would say seek out somebody that will definitely be able to help you along that path so you can release a lot of this. And we're not having situations like Michelle was talking about earlier, where a husband murdered his whole family and Another one who was child in the, in the river and stuff like that. That's, we don't need that. We don't need that. And as black men, we definitely don't need that stigma, that, that um, arrow on our back. We got enough exactly. going on. So that's and, we need, and we need y'all. And that's the thing. And that might be a conversation for another episode about black female being all masculine. When our men are wounded, when you're wounded, you can't be that strong black man that we need you to be. Say that part. So we mm. can relax in our femininity. And it's because we need y'all to get the help that y'all need so then we feel safe enough to be that feminine energy that you all need. But right now we have so much wounding and it's just like a jack-in-the-box. You think you can push it down. One occurrence or one situation happens and it's all in your face. Yes. So you either work on it at your speed by seeking the help or it's going to work on you and come out when you least expect it. That's correct. Yep. That's correct. I bear witness to that. But yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I didn't think it was going to go this direction, but man. But us talking, we have no idea where we end up, but it's always good. It's always good. It's always good. Again, we want to thank Daryl, also known as Mr. Black Probation, for coming to Wonderland to have this conversation. And that's some real life shit. Okay, so you need to share this so other people can hear too, and also follow this podcast, and also Follow the podcast you just heard. This is for real, though. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to share this. Because this shit is real. Okay? Peace.